Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision. Joining Arun and myself today is Dr. Martha Bokenfeld, Strategic Metaverse and Web3 advisor and speaker, amongst a lot of other things that, um, Martha, you're busy working on. So welcome to the show. I can't wait to uh, go through some of those with you. Yeah, thank you for having me today. I'm also super excited to talk to both of you. We had a lot of LinkedIn exchanges, so it's really the first time we we speak. That's wonderful. I know, right? Talk about the power of social media. Um, it's uh, it's fascinating. So let's let's start with um, what you do, because uh, I think both Arun and myself, like you said, met you quote unquote met you on LinkedIn. You are very very active on the space. You served in different executive roles and you still do um talk through with us how you started and more interestingly how do you end up in the metaverse space because that's something that fairly new right in the extent of of the history of technology yeah absolutely i mean on in one sense you can say it's fairly new and in another sense it's maybe not as new so my journey uh is like I would say also a lot of people have taken the journey now. They come from something very traditional in quotes uh, because I have over 20 years of financial services experiences, always uh, fortunately in, in innovative positions. So as an executive, very much focused on digital transformation, culture change, innovation. And around seven years ago, when I was the CEO of a bank in London, we also looked at different solutions for robo-advice. Uh, we looked at Nutmeg and others. And doing this, we were also looking for a strategic partner because banks are not very well known for being the best, I would say, in technology. Uh, so we screened the market and we found Deloitte uh, Digital. And Deloitte Digital had a big innovation hub. So I took my whole team there, that was seven years ago, and they showed us 3D printers uh, with, with food kind of things. Then we also were first time wearing the kind of goggles and we were like, oh my God, what's happening now? So we first time were going into an immersive world together as a, as a management team. And only one, he said, are, you know, you guys who are so old because my kids are already playing with it. Yeah. So that was my, you can say, awakening to the immersive world. And I thought, my God, you know, we, I don't want to be that old and I don't want to be behind and same for my team. Uh, so we're still focusing on innovation, et cetera. And then the real thing came uh, also when I was at UBS because I worked on platform ecosystem. And then when you look at different platforms, you look automatically also at gaming platforms. So Roblox, for example, is a beautiful platform. You have 50 million users a, a month and there is a whole ecosystem around it. So you have the creators, you have partners that do events. Uh, so you have a lot of learnings and in banking, as you know, blockchain is one of the big things. Web3 is one of the big things. Crypto, uh, whilst UBS itself wouldn't promote crypto, but a lot of the other pieces are, as a thought leader, also already at times at UBS, I was one of the 15 uh, thought leaders I have, which was great. So I could do a lot of research and so on and so forth. And then a year ago, I saw was a different network, totally different people, crazy people, you can say, who are more in the marketing space. Um, they showed me a beta version of Horizon, of Meta Horizon, yeah? and not the, at that time, it wasn't Meta. And I'm like, 
this is incredible because you could first time see what is happening there and that you had real experiences. So it was a version which is far more advanced, it's more a visionary version, which also Zuckerberg has communicated end of last year. So that caught my attention and I thought this is, this is happening, this is happening now. Um, so uh, end of last year, I then decided after also a couple of publications I had done on the metaverse that I would leave the bank to really pursue my passion and to really go full into the metaverse. Again, I was very fortunate because I got introduced to uh, a number of people who uh, are totally into it. Um, I would say also a bit nerdy, some of them. Uh, and I, I, you can say I learned, continued my learning experience, which I had over the last years. And they asked me if I would um, like to join them to create the Metaverse Academy. So an academy for education, where you train people also to learn more about Web3, blockchain, the Metaverse. And the good thing was that they had already started uh, to do a lot of testing themselves. So they had little parks where they had created virtual worlds and all of this uh, I could have access to as well as they had already students. Yeah? So part of that uh, experience they were already doing. So very far advanced in Switzerland is an agency called Kubler. Uh, they are now my partners in the Metaverse Academy. And since I joined, we have over the time now around already 500 people who are in that space, yeah? uh, who we took into virtual world. So they are not permanently there, but we are trying to create this community so that we can exchange and that we can also go together in those virtual worlds, explore them and, and see what are the possibilities for us. What can we do better and how can this improve our lives? So this is really our, our big core, uh, what I'm very focused on, on education, research. This is part of it. And then on top of it, I have uh, a number of advisory roles. Uh, being someone who is from the business side, I think helps because you know how to translate certain technological changes to executives, I would say. And this is usually when our brands or companies, also banks, approach me and say, can you help us? Because we have absolutely no clue. And I usually tell them that no one has a clue. So we really have to explore together uh, because no one is an expert. As you say, it's fairly new in one sense. The technology components, they are really not new, like the AI, the blockchain, but I think what is really new is how they come all together. So this convergence of technology is mind blowing. Yeah. So I'm every day I'm like, wow. You know? So that's a bit of my journey. Sure. Uh, thanks for that, Martha, and uh, fascinating journey, I would say. Um, uh, you, you actually touched upon a, a bunch of things there. Uh, initially, you started getting into the space through the immersive nature of it. And more recently, you, you touched upon how Web3 and blockchain has somehow influenced the narrative around uh, the metaverse. Um, and I, I often have these conversations with uh, people in the metaverse space. Um, what is a metaverse? So how do you define the metaverse? At what, in your view, as you, as it stands today is a metaverse, because it's going to evolve. This space is going to evolve for the next 15, 20 years. But where do you think we're going with the metaverse narrative? 
I believe that there, I mean, there are lots of different definitions. What everyone agrees on is the future of the internet. So that's a, the simple answer. Uh, and then if we talk about the metaverse as we think about it, it's more a vision. So where do we want to go? Uh, again, it's a little bit absurd that we are trying to define the metaverse. It's like defining the internet when the internet is not there. So, uh, but nevertheless, we're trying to. So what's very important that you are um, in, engaging with virtual worlds. But it's not separate. So you have an interconnection between the virtual worlds and the real world. And we see that in a lot of uh, application use cases that exactly you have this, this stream of things which go vice versa, where you, where you can feel things and uh, it's helpful to you. And the most, I think, helpful part is the experiences in the metaverse you can create, which are very different because you breach or you don't have to adhere to physical barriers. Yeah? So the key items, I would say, is future of the Internet is interconnected, is interoperable. So right now, as we know, we have lots of little use cases or little metaverses, as some people say, and the aspect of you can socialize, you can play, you can work, you can earn in the metaverse, but it's always connected to the real world in the most of the cases. that and I like how you're stressing that is not something that is separate out there right it's still connected very much to to the physical world to the real world that 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 we live in um it's a matter of extending that and creating a different experience um I I am curious though from your perspective because one of the things we often talk about is the current internet right um is not truly exclusive inclusive if you think about you know who gets to have a say so in designing where you know each one of for example the social media goes um who has a voice in the different ecosystem how that interacts and and how people use it right i, I would say it's often founded from a technology point of view right and not so much so you know, how would that impact the people? How would that impact the users? Um, how do you think in that narrative, in envisioning the future of the internet, how can we make it more inclusive? I think there are tons of possibilities on one hand, but the same as with the internet, we see a lot of things already not going very well. Let's put it this way. Yeah. But that's why also one of my uh, mission is to get as many people as possible to understand it, to help, to really create it and not leave it to the big companies. Um, so let's take an example like education. You know, if you do education in the metaverse is a bit like the magic school bars you know you jump on it and you can go into places you normally can't go into into your whole body for example you can explore or even for people who have no access to to other places they can also go there or people who have disability uh, i recently saw a video where people have haptic gloves and because it's created through AI and the connection, they can all of a sudden it's visible to them, even though they have problems with their eyesight. So you can have tons of examples of that, which are already 
being in in real life and this is in my view what we have to focus on so how can we reach more people include more people also girls i mean remember in some of the states that we know in afghanistan and others they cannot go to school yeah so you cannot uh, you cannot circumvent religion i i wouldn't i i mean that is that is not something we can do but what we can do is we can offer them through the virtual means something where they can feel the experience and that's the difference to the internet all of a sudden it becomes real what you have in the immersive world feels real and everything which feels real is an experience which you will remember and we know that from all the learning and everything and that's the same uh, that's one of the examples in education if you think about healthcare it's even more massive so people for example have not good access to excellent doctors let's say yeah so there was recently in brazil an operation of our co-joint twins and the doctors in brazil they couldn't figure out how to separate them. So obviously the family, they cannot travel to the experts, but what has happened is that the expert had a lot of virtual uh, operations from London to Brazil. So they worked together. What could be the best way of this operation to give those people who are in need and who normally don't have access to, to this kind of expertise, to give them that expertise? And this is really what we have to highlight and work on, apart obviously from all the hype and all the fun part and the events which are happening, which are nice too, but which are not the true sense, in my view, what you can do with our future. So there are lots of these kind of things where it can make a huge impact on our society. That's absolutely true, Martha. And uh, one of the things I often, um, and Theo and I, we, we chat about is for the metaverse um, narrative to really go mainstream, there are some practical use cases that needs to start emerging at scale. And I think education is, this is a great example that you highlighted. Um, just from a futuristic perspective, uh, what are the key use cases that you would, you would um, think that the metaverse can start uh, exploring or we can start exploring through the metaverse. Um, do you really think banking or private banking is, is actually a practical use case for the metaverse or uh, are we going to see more embedded fintech and embedded finance rather than um, kind of the go to your banker and have a conversation and then cash a check kind of banking in the metaverse? What, what do you think would be the actual experience for the future? I think in the it, it, future depends on how you define future. But as we see in finance and in banking in particular, it's no longer really that you go to your banker. So in an ideal scenario, everything is embedded. So you don't have to worry about uh, where you pay, how you pay, because it's an embedded in your journey. So everything becomes part of your life but where you are. So let's say you want to uh, buy a house because you want to have something very nice for your family. You don't really want to go to a banker to talk about a really boring mortgage. 
Yeah, what you like, you want to see the house, you want to have an enjoyable experience. And then an ideal scenario also there through NFTs, for example, you can have a transaction with, within a couple of weeks, even you don't need uh, this tremendous work and you can see the house, you can experience it all in, in a very immersive environment. And also from a banking point of view, there is this um, company called then if we talk about not about mortgages and payments, but if we talk more about what you refer to private wealth management, uh, there is a company called LifeSite and they are brilliant because what they do is, uh, you, know, you know them, they also work with, with that imagination because everything you can imagine you can focus on so they um, i see you're nodding so they're really focusing on to make this real but it's not real so i want to uh, go into pension i want to have a house and they you can basically picture this in an immersive world you go there and then at the same time someone helps you and tells you okay you know if you want this Let's go to see how you work. Let's go to see what your wealth is. But it's no longer really talk to a person in a sense that you say, okay, you have 100,000 and your 100,000 I put in a portfolio for you. It's more part of your life experience and what you can, what you want to achieve in life, which I find is brilliant because every banker will tell you, okay, what are your goals? And I help you to achieve your goals. But it's very hard for you also to imagine because to get there, you have to maybe save a little bit more and saving is painful. But if you can see, wow, I get this beautiful space. If I save and I can save this way, this is huge learning. It's interesting, um, especially when you start talking about embedding um, banking or financial services as part of the journey, whatever it is that you're doing. Um, it is, it does look like slowly the industry is moving that way. Um, but it's not easy though, is it? Because like, look at how long we've been talking about creating something as simple as a digital app for banking. It's been taken and we're still talking about it. It's, it's you know, 2023. Um, so what are some of the headwinds um, and tailwinds, if you will, that you see between where we are right now, which we can hardly get any digital experience, right? To where we can be and where we can actually see this technology um, demonstrating how much we can deal with it, the power of it. Yeah, the real value. That's why I was asking Aaron, I was asking you, what do you mean by future? So it's a bit part of the time horizon. So my picture was maybe a bit idealistic. It's not something which will happen in the next five years. But again, uh, what are the tailwinds? I think it's a lot to do with the mindset still. You know, a lot of the private banks there are very comfortable because they have huge client base and they're very, very highly performing. You don't feel the pressure. It's different when you look at uh, the retail space or in general where fintech jumps in, like even a, a company like Revolut, where super app embedded finance for me, that all comes together. Yeah. So, or, or even Twitter, you know, with Elon Musk now going into payments. I've uh, just read another report today how it all comes together, most likely through all his 
uh, ideas and feeds he has given, and he has very clear ideas about how many revenues and so on. So it's changing. So do you go to a bank or would you bank also with fintech? And in Europe, there were 61% uh, who were saying they would also bank with the fintech. Yeah? So the mindset of the consumer is changing, which means also the mindset of banks have to change. In Asia, it's much more advanced, as you know. I mean, DBS is one of the really, really great, uh, if you talk about digital apps, they're much further than in anywhere else. So it's it, there is hope, I would say, but usually banks only change if they feel the pain. Yeah. So <laughs> the more consumers, uh, sorry, this is probably uh, in, not, not pro probably correct from a political point of view, but it's, you, everyone also as a person, you, you don't like to change unless you are someone like, like me who's striving on change and oh, loves it when something is going on, but these are not the, the main, uh, I would say, the core of the people. I think it's human nature though, isn't it? Like if you look at some of the products that incumbent banks have been offering in the US, for example, in the last year or so, those things have existed for a while now. And those are some of the things that fintechs have offered um, early earned wage access, for example, or elimination of some of the junk fees, for example. Those things are could have been easily done by incumbents. And they never did until when they absolutely had to because they saw the competition. They saw customers saying, well, you know, I'm going to go somewhere else. And so it's, it's the pressure and it's the, the feeling of pain that they realize, oh, if I don't do something, I have to. And I, I recently read an article uh, that talked about someone asked one of the bankers, and, and this is a consumer bank, how come you guys have not adjusted your interest rate for savings account, even though the rate has been going up, right? You're charging consumers much higher mortgage rate is like double on how it was a year ago, but yet you're not rewarding them for putting money in your bank. And his response was because we didn't have to just yet. So voila. It's, as you say, it's human nature. Uh, so in terms of headwinds, I think it's also very important, uh, despite my passion and despite my love for the metaverse and everything around it, that we realize that there's still a lot to do in, uh, in terms of the standards uh, and in terms of regulation. So there is huge um, work still outstanding because the metaverse and technology is same like with AI, as you know, it's developing exponential, but the regulation and also government and jurisdictional applications are far behind because they're hardly now catching up on CBDCs, they're catching up on crypto, they're trying to, everyone is trying also to do their own thing. But the problem is also, in my view, doing their own thing, every jurisdiction doing something different. Like, for example, in healthcare is a nightmare because in the virtual world and also in healthcare data and on all the other data fields in AI, you would need to have something like the United Nations, but with some power of really combining what's going on. Uh, some have maybe more experience, some have less, uh, and it's a it's a true challenge because we have so many different systems in place. 
So I think the biggest headwinds come from this huge fragmentation which we have in real life, which we probably cannot solve immediately in the virtual, just using virtual worlds. It, it doesn't bridge. Absolutely. And uh, we actually, I was having a very similar conversation with, a, uh, with someone from a big bank who was also exploring the metaverse space recently. And uh, we were actually talking about some of the um, challenges, uh, not just from what does it take to implement, but also what are the things that we'll need to be conscious of as we go about it. Like, for instance, uh, that that person I'm talking about, he's not on social media because he just wants to spend more time with his family. But he says, sees his daughter spending a lot more time on Roblox uh, every every uh, year. I mean, it's true for, for our kids as well. Theo and I, we have girls who are into it as well. Now, with the metaverse offering a lot more immersive experiences, you're going to see <clears throat> kids get into that a lot more. So how are we going to define parental controls? Um, how are we going to try and prevent or, or uh, protect them from abuse, stuff like that. Uh, how are we, uh, I mean, uh, you, you spoke about the Metaverse Academy and the standards that, that needs to be set. How are we gonna make sure those, those kind of protective elements are in place as those innovation scales, uh, Martha? But that's why we need more education. So for example, when people come to us and also we try to get them into immersive worlds also via glasses here, yeah? but it doesn't really matter if you have the headset or if you have the desktop or it's quite funny. Some of the people, they would never, I mean, in the real world, you would know you are in a meeting, you behave, you sit down and you have all, yeah, you have normal manners in the metaverse, partly because it's like, woo, you know, we, I mean, we tell them try out and jump and do waving and dancing and so on. Yes, that's, that's the beginning, but then you also need to behave yourself. So this is just part of it. And also we have our part of it is ethics lessons. So. Uh, you had, for example, avatars already being attacked, uh, sexual harassment in the metaverse, where I first thought that this is incredible. How can this work? But the avatar is usually your extended self. You feel it. Yeah. So, and everyone is making a big fuss about how does my avatar look? I mean, is it a unicorn or is it myself or is it a digital twin? Uh, but these are all questions. And then you have deep fake maybe as well. You know, people steal your your identity as an avatar. So all of these questions are a nightmare. And on top of this, you are exactly right. We are the old people in a sense, because the next generation, I mean, also in my family, they don't know what you are talking about because they're already working with digital currency. They're already working with digital wallets. They, when you do uh, Roblox, they're already creating. They know avatars, they know skins, and they, they have this all. I mean, you, you are really someone who, who has to learn from them, which I'm also trying to do here. Uh, but they're so far advanced, so far I mean, we, we cannot even comprehend. So the people we have in the academy are not the gamers mostly. We have some special classes, but these are the people who are 45, you can say, plus who see this. Oh, you know, the, the train is passing now. And for a business opportunity, I need to understand it. And then usually also business executives who try to figure out for their business what it means. 
And I think this is very helpful also to your point with banks. We have seen JP Morgan, we have seen HSBC, but this is all good as the beginning, but it's just it's, it's something like a, a presence there. They work partly with gaming like HSBC and Sandbox also to attract a different, these are not the classic banking people, this, this is a different crowd. So when you have your banking strategy or any strategy, you really, really need to think about what is the experience you want to create for your consumers. So it's not enough to just say, I do the same like JKB Morgan, they're all now in Decentraland, uh, and JP Morgan just has a presence there, but they don't have interactions, they don't have experiences, but they, they, I'm sure, because I have done this uh, brilliant Onyx report uh, at the beginning of the year, they are fully into gaming because they want to have payment rates, they are fully into blockchain, they have 200 people working on that, uh, and so on and so forth. So they are on it, but it's not yet clear what their path is. Yeah, I, I can't agree more. I was poking around um, for the last few months. And uh, apart from initial splash, if you will, I don't see much of anything like why does a consumer want to go back to Decentraland? For example, the, the, the retention of it, right? It's very different than when I see my kids play Roblox. Um, I was having this, this conversation with Arun the other day. I was showing my kids Sandbox in Decentraland and they looked at it. They took one quick look. And then after, I'd say even less than a minute, my son dismissed it. He said, well, pff, this is nothing compared to what we can do in Roblox. And Roblox is so much more engaging. He's like, mommy, let me show you. This is the world we're doing. This is what we're building. And he has friends there. They are having virtual parties and all of that. Right. And then you go back to the adult versions of it and like, what am I doing in here? Um, so it is, I, I think. Yeah, remember, it, that, that is exactly the point. Even some adults don't know. Uh, it dep I mean, Decentraland got recently a lot of blame because not many people are there. But you see, every time there is an event and there is engagement and it's adult engagement, experiences which adults enjoy. Yeah, so it's not the casino or something, but real events where you can exchange, where you can meet, where you can talk uh, worldwide with other people. This is really what people like. And to your point, it's so, so interesting that the platforms are no longer platforms like Roblox. It's no longer a game. It is completely replacing the social platforms. And Facebook obviously has realized that, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg has realized that, that he saw it's not only TikTok. I mean, forget TikTok, because in a couple of years, you will really have only what games can basically present. And you see already TikTok is into gaming, Netflix is into gaming, Microsoft has bought this uh, 69 billion uh, activation blizzard. That's for the one reason that social media will basically be completely replaced by what games can offer and you might not call it games whatever you call it but that experience is so superior and the connection between the people is so much stronger and they don't use what we use linkedin i mean they use discord is one thing but i mean all my my nephews are for example on discord their mom communicates not on whatsapp she communicates on discord or they use with their friends reddit these are the two. And you see also on Reddit, I mean, they had recently NFTs. 
and you think, wow, where is this coming from? You know, you have seen this NFT stuff there. And they're like, ooh. And, and they have a lot, a lot of research on, on Reddit. You, and most of the people, they don't know what is Discord, what is Reddit, what is, they, they have no clue. But this is the world. This is the world we are living in. Yeah? And that's also when we do the Metaverse yeah. Academy, we go to Roblox. And we, with the dots, you know, we go there, we help them, we coach them, we create something together. And it's mind blowing because it's like, wow, you know, I can create something and we can do something together. We can collaborate in a totally different way. Like you do when you design a car or something, it's exactly the same. You can do that now in virtual worlds with the NVIDIA technology. But for people who have not been into it and have never done gaming, it, it's you you have to experience it and as you say i mean your kid now showed it to you but would you be brave enough to go there yourself and try it out <laughs> probably not i uh, did i did a um, virtual marathon and i left after 10 minutes i was just looking around i'm like all right this is not doing anything for me i'm much rather run outside <laughs> <laughs> but um i, I think I, I i think i do wonder though arun um in five years how would this podcast be? I, I would envision it will be something a little bit different, um, but we shall see. Uh, <laughs> as long as you don't ask me to wear a heavy headset, I'm fine. <laughs> I, think, I think wearables. So that, that one is also changing because we have the Neuralink from yeah. Elon Musk. We have the Moji from Moji. We have lenses and we have Apple with glasses. So that will change. Can we just not wear glasses? Yeah. I would love to just use what desktop and mobile devices we have. Wearing something is just, I don't know, a little off-putting to me. Yeah, no, Neuralink is also something, wow, I mean, uh, but it will be there, you know. Before we let you go, <laughs> curious to know, we are in the new year. And so what are some of the things that you look forward to this new year? In the next year, the trends, you mean? What's happening? Yeah, yeah, like, you know, just 2023. Um, what are some of the things, or if you have predictions you want to offer, don't worry, we won't come back to you in a year and ask you. <laughs> but what are some of the things that, that you most look forward to in the next 12 months? And um, what are some things that you think we might see that will get people excited? Yeah, I, I would say you asked me to predict the unpredictable as always. Uh, but I would say that what I find very exciting is this community building also, which is created through the metaverse. I mean, one is on a very analog level, like we do today, in a way, analog digital level, but it's not in the virtual world where all of a sudden you connect with people you, you haven't met before all over the world. Yeah. So it's really the, the community, the web three community, you can say is generally a very friendly community, I noticed, is very open and sharing and has all generations, has next gen and, and our generation, everything. And that is, or that has started this year with great success. And for me, this will be one of the things, the community, the strengths of the community, what we can do together will become much, much clearer next year where we work on more, better use cases. Yeah? 
Then what we have talked about, education, healthcare, the development there, is, as it is exponential, we see much, much more there next year. And what we also already talked about, the hardware will change. So I'm pretty sure Google is working on it, Apple is working on it, everyone is working on it. This is sort of the key to the virtual world. And it will definitely not immediately uh, also, uh, Theo, as you correctly point out, do I want to wear all that stuff? Uh, so augmented reality is something which takes off already now and will be accelerated next year. So you have uh, seen uh, Pokemon Go advance, so to speak, uh, much, much more also from, from that company who developed it. Uh, you will see much more augmented. And what was really now uh, surprising me is the partnership with Microsoft and Meta. Uh, so imagine... All the people who use Microsoft Teams, over 100 and 100 millions of people, and they have also the access not only to the Quest, so to the headset, but to augmented reality facilities and all of that. And that's already happening. We had 150,000 from Accenture going into uh, Microsoft Mesh, into that virtual world. So all of this, in my view, will be much more real to us and to the normal users and will start next year because you have all these partnerships. Yeah, I think we're looking at the Microsoft Meta partnership and really curious to see what the future will bring because I think they're trying to reinvent collaboration in the professional world. And so we're thinking about adoption, right? How do we move beyond just gaming and get more traction? Um, the work world is a perfect way to go. And so with that, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Motha. Always appreciate your insights and uh, for our listeners, please do follow her on LinkedIn. I think every day you, I learn something new from, from your post. So appreciate it. Um, and we do look forward to talking to you all again next week. Thank you for listening in to another episode of One Vision.